This episode of Ride at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where, if you're entertaining for the holidays, and the chances are pretty good that you might be, this is the place to go for everything. Whatever your needs are in the kitchen, and we'll talk about beyond in a second, it's Zupan's. Absolutely. In fact, Chris, I have already ordered my Christmas meal. It's a prime rib dinner for four because I started thinking about I don't want to cook in the kitchen on Christmas. So I'm going to allow Zupan's to do it all for me. I just have to reheat it and it's good to go. There's nothing better than that. So also, if you're decorating your table, oh my God, they have awesome napkins, everything, candles, everything for uh, your holiday occasion or just entertaining. Wreaths. We got our wreaths at Zupan's. Did you really? Yeah, and it's beautiful. Th- yeah, and of course they have they have easily you can't beat their floral department. So nope. if you're looking for plants, flowers, anything you want to bring, Zupans is great. If you're at a loss for gift ideas, I like wandering the aisles, and they have lots of food things, and also. Uh, not food things, anything related to food, but I mean, you can, again, things for the table, other ideas that might be of interest to you. And if you're at a loss, it, there's always a Zupan's gift card available. Oh, yeah. You cannot go wrong there. Things on sale up until the 26th to be aware of. You've got double R ranch beef short ribs. I'm looking at these right now on the website, Chris, and I'm hungry. Like, literally, I want to make these. So I'm pretty sure I can go to Zupan's.com and get a great recipe and make something delicious for my family this weekend i want to eat it i don't necessarily want to make it so invite me over you you make it i'll eat it also the holiday panettone is available it looks beautiful this is not the usual uh box that you see these are these are luxurious beautiful panettone so if you want to bring somebody if you're on your way somewhere that's something that's beautiful and unexpected Panettone at Zupans. It's a great way to go. Three locations to serve you. You got McAdam, West Burnside, and Lake Oswego. And we always recommend people go where, Chris? Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm co-host, Court Johnson. Court, I'm excited. Do you know why? you have any idea why? Oh, man. I, I mean, I've got like five, maybe six things running through my head, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure we're on the same page here. All right. Let me help you out because that's the kind of guy I am. So um, we are, as we've said before... But some people are tuning in for the first time. We are completing 10 years on this podcast, which I think is, is just nuts. It's quite um, the feat. Yeah, it is quite the feat, considering we've been doing it weekly. We cheat a little bit. We do some classic episodes just about every month. And we used to have um, the listage uh, section of the podcast a few years ago. We did right. that, too. We're still going to do that. We're, we're actually doing it. Next week and the week after, we have Bill Oakley from the Steamed Ham Society um, introducing his Portland Steamies, which is awesome. His favorite places to eat in Portland. And he does a good job eating. We need to hang out with that guy. Yeah, and- I've, I've, uh, I've drink. I mean, the guy is uh, not only quickly become a kind of a person in the Portland food scene because of his unique take on 
local, you know, places in Portland and fast food, but his pedigree, like he's a comedy writer, wrote for the Simpsons, wrote for Portlandia. He's just a, a great guy. Yeah. Well, I've just, I was impressed with the places he's been. And then he also does national ratings too. Yeah. So we're going to talk about those on the podcast next week. And then I didn't really get to the excitement part, but I'm excited about all these three episodes. Four, actually. So there's that. And then Gary the foodie is going to join us for the, for his recap of the last. Uh, for the last episode of 2023, nice. we haven't had Gary on for months, but I will share with, um, I hate to, sh- I hate Gary to hear this, but I'll share with our viewers. Gary, don't listen. He's not <laughs> listening right now anyway. <laughs> our, uh, our highest ratings are when Gary the foodie is on. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We get the most listeners. We so should we- have him on more frequently then, Chris. Well, at least we have him on. So, yeah. uh, you know, to juice it up, we're hoping that, some people who come to listen only to Gary, you'd subscribe. Everybody subscribe right now. Forget. You don't have to wait for Gary. Yeah. Subscribe uh, to the podcast. And so that would be great. But the fourth or fourth episode. So we're going to do on our first episode of 2024 to celebrate our 11th, starting our 11th year and completing our 10th. Yeah. Um, we're going to have Don Barasa up who was the former community director of Yelp. And so on the, uh, on now he has become an expat. He's moved to Portugal and he's doing lots of, well, he's, he's working remotely. He's doing some marketing over there, but he still loves his food. And we talk about being what it takes to become, you know, some of the surprises, some of the ups and downs of moving overseas. I think people are starting to think about that. Um, especially those in my age range as we're getting older, we're thinking of where do we want to go? Right. So, um, so I thought it'd be really fun to talk to Don about that, but then you and I thought, well, as long as we're doing that, let's run our first episode ever with Don episode number one out of, we've done over 500 episodes of this podcast, by the way, there may be 300 some odd interviews, but there's 500 episodes. Yeah, some of them weren't counted. Some of them are, are hybrid uh, versions. But yeah, right. and 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 of all the times that we've done uh, classic episodes, we've never done this one as a classic episode. Our very first one, right? And I found it interesting to listen to because in it we had uh, the uh, co-founder of Right at the Fork before it was even called Right at the Fork when it was a food podcast. We had to name it. Um. Heather Jones on with us and she does I don't know if, I don't remember do you remember court whether she was on the mic on the podcast after this first episode I know at a certain point you and Heather would do a recap of the interview afterward right so it's possible she's at the end but I, I haven't visited it yet Right. So this one, she's like a co, it's a co-host and asking Don questions and, but also laying out the vision for this podcast, which at the time was a little different than it ended up being. And, um, so, uh, Heather, she's the one who auditioned me to be the host of this podcast. Yeah. She wanted to really focus in on, the unsung heroes, the people who were washing dishes, you know, the people in the industry who really made it ring, the, the servers. 
um, you know, the people who weren't written about in Eater or, yeah. or you know, Portland Monthly or, or in the Oregonian. And, um, and she does say, well, we'll talk to a few of those people. Well, I wanted it the other way. I wanted to really f- focus in on the people who everybody knew about or most people knew about and wanted to hear from. And my argument was, yeah, they may be written about in publications in Eater, but I've written about them before and it's nowhere near as broad as when we get them on a podcast and talk for an hour. I knew that I interviewed people, chefs for an hour. That was about 10,000 words and I had it edited down to 1,500 words to publish it in about face. So I thought this was an opportunity for no one to be misquoted, no one to be edited in a way they didn't want to be edited. So I thought even if they've been covered, we can interview them on the podcast. They're still of interest to people. And so we start out. That doesn't mean that our first guests weren't the heroes. When you really look at our, our roster for our first couple of months, they were pretty good. It was Don, Nick Zukin. Mm-hmm. I remember Sarah Hart um, coming in. And those, you know, those were all great players. Yeah. Interestingly enough, they're really all out of the business now. Right. So, and you find that if you go back and look at our first year, you'll find that almost across the board, there are a few that are still in the business, but many who've moved on, including Heather. So, um, Heather and I worked on this for two years together. You were the engineer, mm-hmm. and then Heather and I parted ways, primarily because of that issue of who we were going to interview and how that was going to be, but not completely, but you know, we weren't making money and it wasn't fun and we were doing it weekly. I mean, it was fun, but we had our disagreements. So if you're having disagreements and you're not making money, um, but Heather and I are great friends. As a matter of fact, she, she suggested our, the guest we interviewed this week too. So anyway, we thought we would bring back that first episode and uh, hear about hear from Don about the ins and outs of Yelp and that hasn't changed and I still believe there are a lot of restaurants out there who dislike Yelp, but I still maintain without Yelp they'd have to pay to advertise and, oh yeah uh, if you know how to do you know just manage Yelp, it's like a child who's annoying, I guess, from a chef's standpoint or from a restaurant <laughs> standpoint. Yeah, you just realized. Well, you decided to have kids. You got to have them. So, um, but anyway, Don is not no longer associated with Yelp. But it was interesting that he was our first guest a long time ago, and he's a very smart guy. And um, it, uh, he comes, he came into the business with a, a law background and isn't practicing that any longer. Um, but we thought it would be fun to bring it back the first episode. So that is what we're going to run this week. And then we'll do two great kind of best of, not best ofs, but listy um, episodes over the next two weeks. And then we'll rejoin Don, which I think it, it was a great interview. I really enjoyed him. And it went long. And when they go long, it means that I'm finding it interesting. And I'm hoping that if I find it interesting, others do too. So it was kind of great to catch up with Don again. And I'm going to go to Portugal. After this interview, I booked um, uh, an extension of my PFA trip in the spring to Portugal. So I'm going to head there and see Don. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. So speaking of PFA trips, we've got two spots left. We're doing well. Two spots left 
to Basque Country with Urdaneta in the uh, spring, in late April. We've got two spots left, maybe. I had someone say they want they were interested yesterday to Sardinia in uh, September with Austrian sign, and that is going to be a really awesome trip to the island north of Sicily. Pretty relaxing and delicious trip we're going to have there. But we're wide open to Andalusia with the folks from Urdaneta also. We only have two booked there, and we will sell it out. I'm sure of it. So if you're interested in seeing southern Spain with the hosts and the chef from one of Portland's best restaurants, and it's kind of an unsung hero, but it makes every list that's on the Eater 38. It gets every list that's the best restaurant. And I think the best indication that Urdaneta is fantastic is that it's fairly hard to get a reservation within a couple of weeks. So I think that's a pretty good statement for that neighborhood restaurant up in Alberta. So you can go with them and hang out with us in early October to Andalusia. So, what do you think, Court? Should we get going? Should we stop hearing my voice and hear it again? Man, let's talk a little bit longer. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Let, let's uh, let's go to our very first episode. This is exciting. Uh, first episode ever of Right at the Fork. And they're different. There's different uh, theme song music and a slightly different. It, it's you'll see. It's a little. Yeah. We put we we. You had the ability. You were sitting there all day at a uh, at a board, yeah. And you had more ability to spend time, and you can just hear how great you are at this. At so, the time, Chris, it was one of my only jobs. So right, I, that's what I yeah, mean. So yeah. I'm not. I am certainly not casting any aspersions on the way the podcast sounds now. The only di- the big difference for me is we're not recording it in a studio any longer. Right, and so we're at the mercy of the technology that our Bre- uh, our breasts, our guests um, have at their disposal. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think it used to sound a little better, but we do our best, and that's the way it is nowadays. So, um, so enjoy right at the fork, episode one. Don Barasa, who at the time was the community director of Yelp, and is now an expat in Porto, Portugal. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with Right at the Fork host, Chris Angeles, and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures.
Well, hello, Portland, Oregon. This is Chris Angeles, and this is Right at the Fork. This is your food and drink scene podcast, and uh, I am really happy to be here. This is our first episode, and we've been working on this for 63 years. (laughs) Too long, it feels like. And I'm here with actually a couple of people. One is our guest, and the other is uh, Heather Jones, who was kind enough to um, bring this opportunity to to me a few months ago. Uh, we've been talking about this and doing some test podcasts along the way, and I'm just happy to be here with uh, Court, our engineer, at the uh, studios of Alpha Broadcasting, ready to go. It feels legit. It feels for real now. I can actually hear myself, and uh, you know, I've got a big mic in front we've of me. Got, we, yeah, we've got microphones, we've got... We're talking to each other with headphones on. It, it feels for reals now. It feels good. Yeah. So I've been doing this sort of thing for a couple of years uh, for About Face magazine. I've interviewed a lot of chefs and had a lot of fun doing it. So this is kind of the transition from print to uh, audio streaming to digital. Yeah. Heather, um, we, Heather has some specific ideas, and I do too, but Heather had the initial idea. So, Heather, what was your... Well, the initial idea was to try and get the unsung heroes, the stories of those people told, uh, the people who make the the food scene function here in Portland. We hear a lot about, you know, the star chefs and the, the, you know, top-tier players, but there is, you know, a whole host of other people who make this industry go. And... I really want to get them into the studio in front of a microphone talking to you and and talking about the, the business challenges and the day-to-day um, workings of the industry. And I feel like everybody has a story to be told and... Um, and we need to bring those people in. And, and we're going to talk to, you know, star chefs as well, but I also want to talk to the cheesemakers and, you know, the bartender who's been at the same place for 20-plus years. And, um, you know, so a wide, a wide variety of, of people. It's really um, an idea that I was really excited about. And in thinking about, you know, what I wanted to do with the podcast, I knew... Number one, I didn't want to host it. <laughs> and number two, I really wanted a partner who would, you know, understand that vision and work with me to kind of see it to fruition. I'm really glad that you're here, Chris. I love being here. It's, uh, there are so many, I've been, you know, four years ago, I had nothing to do with the food scene other than stopping in and eating a lot of the food and supporting the businesses. And now I started a business, Portland Food Adventures, a few years ago, and uh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, it's been an adventure. I've met uh, a lot of people, and the people in the Portland food scene, I have to say the thing that impresses me the most is the community spirit. Totally. I started that business, and we'll talk about Portland food adventures along the way. This isn't going to be a self-promotion thing, but um, I started that business just because I had an idea, and I called four chefs who didn't know who I was, Kathy Wims, Chris Israel, uh, John Gorham, actually the idea stemmed from him, um, another guy, uh, Nick, who was at H5O Bistro, and Jason French. All of them didn't know who I was. I threw this idea at them, and all of them said, sure, let's try it. Let's go. Yeah. I can't imagine. I come from the Connecticut where everybody, you don't even know your neighbor. Yeah. 
Um, and I can't imagine another city it, it just flowing like that. And so I was off to the races, and as I went, I found out how everybody wanted to support everyone else. Yeah. So when I went to Bar Avignon and I talked to Nancy Hunt and said, we're doing an event at Nostrana uh, with Kathy Wims, I was expecting, you know, I had certain expectations as to how I was going to get gift certificates. And she just said, what do you need? If it's Kathy, whatever you want, you can have. Yeah. And uh, boy, it's uh, so three years later, 30 chefs, more than 30 chefs, 33 chefs. And I've, I've dealt with over 100 different businesses on some level. I've met some incredible people and I can't wait to talk to them. You were talking about the star chefs. Well, each one of those chefs who... You know, we, we hear about now, right. they were at the level of the people that you are talking about at right, some point. Right, And, you know, we've had conversations about who we want to help us uh, kick off the first set of podcasts that we're going to be putting up there. And, and uh, you know, we talked about bringing in people who have, you know, uh, some clout behind them and then also bringing in some people who are considered to be on that upward mobility path as well, who we will very well probably see opening their own restaurants in the next couple of years. And I love what you said about that spirit of community because that's what I want this show to celebrate because I think it, it does make Portland stand apart from other places. I mean, I've been a publicist for almost 20 years now and coming from Silicon Valley in the tech industry and then working in um, you know restaurant PR in San Francisco, uh, you don't see the kind of camaraderie in those other larger metropolitan areas like you do here and coming here i was also really touched by the the community spirit that seems to prevail here and across multiple industries not just not just food but food in particular i think um celebrates it uh, and and does a really nice job of of um of embracing embracing each other well, and food brings us all together. Right. So not only do people meet at restaurants to have social experiences, but the food scene here, and I've talked about it with our first guest, who I'm really proud to have here with us, the food scene here, there's a, there's a scene within a scene. So when you show up at events, it's that community uh, of people who are used to seeing each other and supporting each other, and it's fantastic. So perhaps... Um, let's do it. Let's do it. Our first guest um, is a gentleman by the name of Don Barasa, who is the Yelp Community Manager. This, I'll let him tell you exactly what a Yelp Community Manager does and, uh, and how he does it. But um, Don, I met a few years ago, uh, sat down when, with, as I did with so many people when I was starting Portland Food Adventures. Uh, we actually met at Country Cat, if I recall, for lunch. And um, and Don sat down and said, "How can I help you?" What he had no reason to do that, other and he didn't know who I was, other than this is the attitude that prevails. And he also happens to be a really really nice guy. So, uh, Don, welcome to Right at the Fork. Oh, thanks, Chris and Heather. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to be here, and um, I, I think you couldn't be more right. Portland is such a great community place. Um, I know so many people who are successful business people in this town who. Um, they have rules. They never turn down meetings. Um, right. You know, they know that there's so much talent in this town that's that's ready to just rock, and we can't be exclusionary. It's a small community, um, and there's just great people here. So, yeah, it's good. It's one after the other. You know, I I've been doing, the, and you probably have the same experience. So I've been, I guess, part of the scene for about three years. 
I can't imagine the, the number of people that I've met and the number of people, the percentage of great people to, okay, there's, you can't be a bad, you really can't be a bad apple in this community and make it because you're, you're going to, everybody's going to know it really in, a, in short time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, Portland has a pretty much a world-class food scene, um, but it is still kind of a small town. I mean, that's what makes it so great. We, we are able to have community. We don't have to be exclusionary and cutthroat and competitive to get ahead here. You know, rising tide floats all boats for sure. Yeah. Well, I think also the other part of that, the downside is no one's really getting too far ahead. There, <laughs> you don't see chefs driving, you know, uh, Mercedes and BMWs here. They're, they're doing it. And that, this is what's beautiful about it. They're doing it because they love what they do. They have a passion for what they do. Right. They'd be driving Priuses anyway. Well, <laughs> well, they're in most cases, they're driving old pickup trucks, I guess. So tell us what a Yelp community manager does. For sure. So, yeah, I've been a community manager for Yelp for five years, and my job is to connect people with great local businesses. And I do that through, um, you know, encouraging people to use the site, Yelp, word of mouth, um, by reaching out to as many local businesses as I can, by throwing events um, either at local businesses or supporting events that local businesses or concerns are throwing um, as a media partner um, through a weekly Yelp newsletter uh, that talks about various topics and businesses and happenings um, through event listings on the site. I mean, it's really just a using Yelp as a tool to build community and get that community closer to local businesses to level the playing field, so to speak, for lots of local businesses that maybe don't have money to put up billboards or advertise on TV or you know, in, in other t- more traditional ways, you know, they're just out there trying to open their food cart or get their small taqueria off the ground. And Yelp provides a, a place that people can find them and find out about them. How big of a community is the Portland Yelp the audience? Por- the Portland Yelp audience is big. I can't really put a, a, a number, exact number on it. Um, but How many are in your elite? Uh, many, many hundreds. <laughs> uh, it's um, it's a lot of people. Portland is a very mature market uh, when it comes to Yelp. We were in a lot of we started out in the biggest cities and in Portland because mm-hmm. Portland was such a perfect fit for such a great community tool. There's other larger cities that didn't we didn't actually have anybody in those cities until a couple years after Portland. We've we've had a representative in Portland since 2007, and I've been on since 2008. Same thing with Eater. They were uh, you know, the big cities, and then the number 22 market PDX, which I always thought a lot of people from around the country have no idea what PDX is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, we, it was, Portland was much sooner for Yelp than that. I think, you know, maybe number seven or eight or something like that. So, you know, we, we outclass a lot of cities when it comes to great community and great food, I think. So, um, I've always maintained that the, uh, that Yelp plays a part that, uh, in the marketing arena that many chefs don't appreciate. And so you get, I, you know, there's a rap out there about Yelp from chefs, about star ratings and so forth. It's a and love-hate relationship. Yeah, but I have, my, <laughs> I, have I have my answer that I'll save. But uh, but how do you respond to a lot of the chefs that are that are not happy with the fact that someone can walk in their restaurant that really has no business talking about food and the, and they're you know they're reviewing them based on uh, the color of the the wall. Well, Yelp is word of mouth amplified. Word of mouth has been around since words and mouths existed, right? And so the concept of Yelp is nothing new. If you open a public-facing business, you are opening to the public, and people can walk in and think what they want about your business. They, Different people in the world focus on different things. Not everybody um, is 
tuned to the same frequency as a professional food reviewer who's really maybe super focused on just the food or on what fancy processes went into the food. Um, most businesses survive off of um, money made from the average consumer. And so they should be aware of what the average consumer thinks about how their service is going, um, what their restaurant, the ambience, is it too loud in there, how the food is coming out, is their water glass being kept full? I mean, there's there's a hundred things that go into your average experience at a restaurant. And, you know, what the average person thinks might be different than what a professional critic thinks. And, you know, Yelp's not the first uh, review website out there. There have been others. Um, but Yelp is the the biggest and the most trusted out there. And so, it, you know, it is a commonly misunderstood thing. I think the way these things went in the past, um, a lot of business owners were really focused on making it an arms race. I got to have the most reviews and the best reviews faster than the guy next to me. And that hasn't really worked out for other review sites in the past. Um, they People don't go to those sites anymore. They're not as trusted content. Um, and it's really not supposed to be an arms race. Mm -hmm. It's about getting the most trusted content. We trust the people we know the most, um, you know, your family, your friends, your neighbors. And so we're trying to extend that back fence conversation beyond just your actual physical back fence so that you can ask your neighbors across the city, where should I go? And so it's, it's understanding, you know, nobody really wants to hear a bad thing said about them. But I think, especially Heather knows as a, as a publicist, you know, you have to balance that out. I'm sure that when a restaurant owner gets a bad professional critical review, they hate it. They do. But, but, you know, and I'm sure as a publicist, you get to play the the role in between and explaining, well, maybe you should, <laughs> you know, think about what they're saying. And, you know, with Yelp, it's it's demo it's a little bit more democratic. You know, anybody can log on and write something. So there's there might be some people out there whose opinions aren't as trustworthy as others. But for the most part, I mean, so many people write great reviews on there. It's there's a lot to be learned. And that's always how I counsel, you know, any of my clients. And, and the question I get all the time is, you know, what what can we do about these Yelp reviews that are, um, you know, less than favorable? And, and my answer is, you know, look at most people. Yes, they look at the star ratings, but they also glance through the reviews. And most people are familiar enough with Yelp now where they can, uh, you know, take a look and see if if the more negative reviews have any validity i mean you know a command of the english language <laughs> is always is always helpful um you know when when writing uh, you know a solid uh review that has value and if if it's just a rant i think most people can recognize a rant that um that doesn't really have any you know basis and and so uh you know, that's what I tell my chefs is, you know, a lot of times people are reading through and they know whether to discount the negative reviews or whether they actually have valid criticism. It And, you know, a lot of people get hung up on on the star ratings because it does help the ranking as well. And and maybe we can address that a little bit in, in you know, the actual star ranking, because I think that's where a lot of chefs um you know, have questions or, or business owners have questions is what can I do to improve those star rankings beyond just making sure that, uh, you know, the business itself is, is, you know, firing on all levels. Well, you're absolutely correct in your last point. I mean, never underestimate the reader. Right. Uh, the reader is going to, anything that you see through, the reader is going to see through. Um, and I think just quickly to that point, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people try to turn on their con common sense and think nobody's going to write a review unless they have something negative to say. Um, 80% of the reviews on Yelp are three stars and above, and 67% are four and five stars. So the vast majority of reviews out there are positive reviews hmm. on Yelp. Um, 
You know, the, the number one trick to getting great reviews on Yelp is to do good business. I mean, it's the same way that you got good business 50 years ago before the internet existed. Um, you know, because word of mouth is what drives your business for the most part. And so if you're selling a good product with good service at a good value, you're going to get a lot of customers. You're going to get a lot of positive Yelp reviews. Um, you know, reading through a list of, uh, I talk to numerous business owners that'll scroll through, you know, four and five star reviews down to show me this one, one star rant that they just can't get, you know, unlodged from their crotch. It's, you know, it's just <laughs> stuck in there. And I have to say, wait, 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 you just glossed over a whole bunch of positive content to show me this one thing that's really, you know, keeping you up at night. And um, I think overall, the, the best way to to handle it is if you see things popping up over and over again in reviews, um, you know, you're not on the floor all the time. You're not in your kitchen all the time. You don't know what's going in in your restaurant all the time. And so if, if, you know, 10 people say that your one, this one server is not very nice or that your fries are too salty or something, maybe you should address it. Um, or you can ignore it. You can do business your own way. Um, you could completely ignore Yelp or you can pay attention to it. It's free market research. Do you so. recommend that they respond to the negative reviews? I absolutely recommend that. First off, you can, you can respond privately to both positive and negative reviews. This is all for free if you claim your business owner account. Um, I, you can respond publicly as well. And I, I do recommend, you know, caution and decorum because <laughs> you are posting something on the internet for the whole world to see. So Maybe I have a publicist looked at your answer before you, <laughs> you could, you <laughs> could, or you just consider it. it's, it's an extension of the customer service interaction, right? So yeah. if that person, instead of writing an Yelp review, called the manager over or called you over and said, I'm unhappy because the server didn't fill my water and because my food came out cold and blah, blah, blah. Would you yell at them in the middle of the restaurant full of other people? Um, no, probably not. You would probably respond in a customer service-y kind of way. Um, if you, if somebody writes a Yelp review and you yell at them on the internet, you're not only doing it so that other people in the restaurant can hear, but everybody in the whole world can. Right, and um, that sets the tone beyond the server. That that sets the tone for the whole right, restaurant. Right, and and of course there there might be times. I, I've seen some pretty funny business owner responses on Yelp for you know some ridiculous rant, and the business owner gets on there and you know picks it apart and does some funny stuff, and that can be endearing sometimes for sure. You know, adding some levity, but. Um, you know, I would avoid getting defensive at all and, um, you know, either post something like, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't have a good time. You know, we'll try to make it better. Or if it's something you're fixing, talk about it. Or just, you know, if it's if it's one of those few crackpots out there, just ignore it. We are pausing just a moment right here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat in Portland, an institution, Ringside Steakhouse, where right now their Christmas meal kit is on sale. A Christmas prime rib dinner for six, $275. The prime rib is trimmed, tied, and ready for the oven. It also comes with uh, their signature seasoning. Uh, they have all the instructions on how you do this. So here's what you're going to get. A half prime rib roast, mashed potatoes, roasted Brussels sprouts, ringside table bread, and then for dessert, caramel apple pie. Again, that's available for order right now through Ringside at ringsidesteakhouse.com. One of the best gifts you can get anybody would be the gift of Ringside Steakhouse in the form of a gift card. Right now they have a special offer. You get a $50 bonus dining card when you purchase $300 in gift cards or even better, get a $100 bonus dining card when you purchase $500 in gift cards. So you can get a Ringside gift card in any amount up to a few thousand if you're really feeling generous. Uh, those those bonus gift cards are available for use in early 2024, January, February. But the gift cards you're getting as gifts are good anytime. 
And of course, Chris, people can just do the old school thing, which is just go and eat at Ringside Steakhouse. You can book those reservations at ringsidesteakhouse.com or book through the Open Table app. Here's one thing that I've said, uh, you know, I have an advertising background and I've, I've often, when I've talked to chefs about the restaurateurs about Yelp and uh, they're frustrated with it, I've asked them to envision a world without Yelp and take it away completely and really think about how you would market your business. Because without Yelp, which is free, right? if you're doing a good job, that's free word of mouth advertising. If you're not, then you're not going to survive in this town anyway. That's the bottom line. But without Yelp, you'd have to actually spend money on advertising, which is against the culture in Portland to to actually throw money down and promote your business. You have to do it organically, and Yelp gives you that opportunity. Um, and I think a lot of the a lot of the restaurant business owners that I've seen read their Yelp reviews, but you have to read them like a like a Olympic diving event. Take out the top, take out the bottom, and look at what's in the middle. And that's how you can judge your business. Is that? Sure. I mean, you know, any average business, if you're getting a lot and a lot of reviews, you can go look at Powell's books. I think they have like 2,000 reviews on Yelp. And there's some total haters on there. They have an average of five stars. I don't think I've ever seen a business with that many reviews with an average of five stars. Generally, people love Powell's. It's a great tourist destination. They have awesome books. There are some one-star reviews on there. There are some glowing five-star. You know, you can try to cut out the top and the bottom. I think just take a take an educated look. I mean, any it's fairly obvious once you've read a few reviews on Yelp what you're going to trust and what you're not going to trust. And the beauty is that you can see what uh, what else people have written. Um, so you can see, well, they like Powell Books and they also like this place I like and they hate this place I hate. So I'm going to agree with this person. And then you have a new trusted friend in the reviewing business that... Uh, but do you can, think most people do that? That they actually look at somebody's reviews that they haven't... Uh, you know that they don't know personally and look at their other reviews. I think so. That? Yeah, I mean, I've I, never done that. I, I have. I I have taken a look at someone's review that I think was thoughtful mm-hmm. and gone to see what else they've written. And I've also <laughs> looked at the ones that are ridiculous, that are terribly written, and that they're uh, adamant about what they're saying. And then I've gone to see how they've done. I've looked at. Um, uh, you know, one particular business that has gotten into it, and I think that because that restaurant owner responds to his reviews, people do it to inflame him. But I've <laughs> but I've gone and looked just for entertainment purposes yeah. to see how else they've reviewed. And I know, you know, I myself, if you look at my, I don't, I tend to stay away from Yelp in Portland because, just because. But when I go out of town, it's my opportunity to go to just cut loose. And uh, I do some negative ones, but I've done some positive ones too. I'm not, I personally am not fair because it's when I have time and I have a thought. So I feel so strongly negatively or positively about a place that I'll do it. I haven't chimed in with a lot of the, I liked it and here's why. But uh, to your your point before, I think it's, um, you got You just have to take it with a grain of salt and businesses have to not look at any one thing and get too upset about it. And you said it before, Don, the, the real value in Yelp for them is to take a look at what's being said over and over again. And I know I had a problem with a business who, um, uh, a few years ago, a little discussion, and I went to look at their Yelp reviews, and all the thoughts that I had were right there on the page. Right. Well, it, I mean, that's, 
I think for the most part, I mean, the numbers don't lie. The way, you know, 47 million reviews and 117 million unique visitors per month site-wide um, across 23 countries. I mean, it is a trusted source for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, back to what you asked, Heather, you know, a lot of times it's when you're reading uh, – reviews of a new business new restaurant opens up and there's like four or five reviews and they're from people you don't know and you're like first week (laughs) yeah and you're like okay so what else are these people reviewing like am i gonna am i gonna base my you know instant meal decision on that kind of stuff so people do look around um you know chris is a casual user that's great i mean you don't have to share every single experience you know as long as you're honest that's the most important part and and of course the more you add to the site the more people can know about you and follow you and and rely upon your reviews you know if you just do a drive-by review. It's not really supposed to be about drive-by reviews. You know, you just pop up on Yelp and you say one great thing or one nasty thing about a business and never come back. It's not really helpful. I mean, we're having a conversation here. It would be like if somebody opened the door to the studio and just shouted something in and then ran off, we'd be like, okay, that was great. You know, (laughs) not really useful. But if they joined the conversation and sat down, we might be like, okay, well, you know what you're talking about. So, or you don't. Lee Harvey Oswald might be an example. So, um, (laughs) Um, yeah, he had something to say. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if you can address the sorting and the ranking issue because, you know, when we talk to chefs and we're going to have Nick Zukin here as, as an interviewee and, you know, he's had plenty to say about, you know, the sorting and the ranking and, you know, reviews disappearing and so forth. What's, what's your response to people who've had frustrations in that area? Well, my response to Nick Zukin is that he has four and a half stars on and lots of reviews <laughs> on his on his taco business. So he's doing great on Yelp. But um, yeah, I mean, Yelp does have a Yelp sort. We uh, we return businesses when you search for tacos in Portland. What you're going to get is a list of businesses that's based on a keyword match, based on a, a business name match, based on a maybe a category match, um, and then it, we get into star ratings, number of reviews, freshness of reviews. There's there's a whole litany of things that go into how Yelp sorts the responses. And so, you know, if you search say burritos in Portland, Oregon, you know, different Mexican restaurants might come up first than if you search tacos because some places might focus more on burritos and the reviews or the reviews talk more about burritos. The reviews talk more about tacos. And so it's not going to be this static thing where the Mexican restaurants in Portland are always going to come up ranked one through 10 in the same order every single time. That wouldn't be very useful. Um, To get to the second part of your question. So Yelp has um, recommended reviews and not recommended reviews. And what our goal is um, in the actual within the actual business page. Um, So you're looking at, you know, the number one business that comes up when you search tacos. And um, there's maybe... 100 reviews on that business. And in any given day, we might be showing 75 of those reviews as recommended reviews. And our goal with doing that is to try to curate the most trusted and useful content. So we're trying to focus on, um, like I said earlier, the drive-by reviews. We're trying not to focus on those. We're trying to to dig out what we can um, using uh, an algorithm to determine what the most trusted content is based on, you know, what we know about the reviewer. So we know a lot about, you know, reviewers based on, you know, where they're reviewing from and what else they've reviewed, how much they're contributing, the words they write, all that kind of stuff. And um, it's this algorithm we've been working on. It's been there since the inception of the site. And the goal is to just showcase the most trusted reviews because you can go to other websites out there and they don't they show every single review that's ever been written. And you might have to wade through all of this stuff that you're like, I, I, I'm looking for something that I looks like I can trust on there. Mm-hmm. And so our goal is to show those, showcase those as recommended reviews. So, and so on any given day, we're showcasing about 75% of the content on Yelp. Um, and it's a, it's a dynamic process. So reviews that are not recommended today might be recommended next week. But the goal is to just 
to give the consumer the most trusted content and to show stuff that actually makes sense. Is there any truth to the concept that uh, those who spend money on advertising get better reviews? Well, that's a vague term. So those who spend money on advertising, there's never been any amount of money that a uh, business can pay to manipulate reviews. So if you advertise, it doesn't allow you to delete reviews. It's not going to change you know, instantly your star rating or which reviews are showing on your business page at any time as a recommended review. So there's, there's nothing involved with that. Um, you know, over time, if you're, say, like Nick Zukin and you have four and a half stars in your business and you buy impressions-based advertising, that's all it is, and more people get to see your four and a half star business and more people go to your business, then you, yes, you might have more positive reviews at the end of the day. But that's just the basic function of how advertising works. It has nothing to do. There's no connection between advertising and star ratings. So there's no connection between sales and editorial. No. Which is, which is always the conundrum our, in mass media. Our salespeople are not allowed to write reviews. They're not allowed to check into businesses. They have no influence over content. They are just selling an, an impression-based ad product. So, And do um, you have any contact with them? Are they... Do you even know who they are in the market? Um, not really, no. There's there's kind of a big wall between uh, our sales department and our community management department. They're out selling the product. I'm out building the community. And um, <clears throat> I mean... I don't even have the ability to like remove reviews or change reviews as a community manager. I mean, that's something that they just don't give to us. Um, so there's, it, it's this myth that I've been fighting for many, many years through my, my efforts. Um, it just, there is no connection. There's never been any connection. Um, Yelp is, Yelp is a long play. We're here because the founder wanted to find a doctor, not because he wanted to just make a bunch of money and sell out because he's had opportunities to do that for many, many years. Um, this is, we're, we're in it to provide a trusted resource for consumers and that's, we're not going to do that by, you know, selling out for the, the quick buck. Hey everybody, we're going to take a quick break to talk about our wonderful sponsor, Portland Food Adventures, and then we'll get right back into the interview. All right, just to talk about Portland Food Adventures, a thing I know and love where we do events with chefs, you get to know them, and you leave with gift certificates to the places they know and love. Uh, we recently did an event at Chico, and, uh, and we have some events coming up in the first quarter that you may want to check out. Uh, Irving Street Kitchen with Sarah Schaefer uh, will be both there and at Standard TV and Appliance in their kitchen uh, with a chef demo. So those are two different events. Atawla. I'll get that pronunciation right. A towel. You pronounce it like towel, Do not you? twa. Okay. And um, also at um, Kakot in February slash March. And that's one of the most beautiful restaurants in Portland. So please check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com, Portland Food Adventures on Facebook, and Portland Food ADV on Twitter. And check out what we got going on. And please join us. So uh, as community manager, what is your typical, I'm sure you don't have a typical week, but, uh, but what kind of things do you do in a typical week? What, what do you do as a community manager? Um, well, in a typical week, I do a lot of different things. Um, it's, it's one of these jobs where it's just kind of ongoing. I'm, I'm usually interfacing with a lot of businesses. I'm doing a lot of eating. Uh, Yay. And hopefully some, <laughs> some exercising as well to try to counteract. Do you want to compare waistlines? Uh, <laughs> we'll have to no. compare uh, workouts, actually. A absolutely not. Um, uh, and uh, I, I interacting with a lot of businesses, throwing events for my, my core Yelp community. Um, you know, recently we've been doing some some donation drives for some charity work to try to get, get better connection between the community and some of the chari charitable organizations in town. Um, 
we throw events for what we call our elite squad, which is our core core um, user base. No, uh, describe who they are a little bit more. So it's people who reviewed how many. Is there a number set to it? No, there's not a specific number set to it. It really has to do with their hand-selected. It's real name, real photo, so there's a lot of accountability. Writing honest reviews. Um, They've been reviewing for a while, real active on the site. Um, So basically our Yelp role models. And uh, so we throw a lot of events with them to get them connected together and build actual community and to get them more connected with local businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, I might be doing something like this, some some. Outreach to local businesses. I spoke to some some tra- travel and tourism businesses recently on, and you know, of course, always fielding a very variety of questions. A lot of like what we're talking about today, um, and really, it's just about making connections and forging bonds within the community. Whether it's between myself and somebody else, or whether I'm introducing a restaurant owner and a PR person, or a, a restaurant owner and a potential future bartender, or you know, it's just you know, the more connected our community can get. Um, the more local businesses can profit yeah. and prosper. So um, I read your reviews and I see your Facebook posts. So it's what, Asian food and cocktails? Is that your thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like I'm yeah. Vietnamese food. Huge fan. Cocktails, <laughs> always. I like beer and wine too. Hashtag food porn. Hashtag food porn. Yeah, there's a lot of food porn. Yeah. The Larry Flynn of food porn. <laughs> so have you been anywhere uh, recently that uh, that comes to mind that really excited you? Oh gosh, um, you know, I I've been going to Ava Jean since that place opened, soft opening. I've, I've been just so in love with that place, um, and I know it's kind of old news now that it's Restaurant of the Year and all that other stuff. But uh, I think I'm going to go eat dinner there tonight too. Uh, and um, gosh, on the Asian food front, uh, my favorite soup place is Han Viel out in uh, 82nd. It's a kind of a classic spot. Which is um, not news either. Nope, nope, not news either. Uh, new and exciting Multnomah Whiskey Library. Um, that place is absolutely fantastic. Um, that's one of those interesting things. They're a little bi- people are a little bipolar on them on Yelp because there's uh, pretty much a standing three-hour wait to get into that place. So, Kidding. You know, at, while it's one of the most fantastic bars I've ever been into, it also has one of the most fantastic hurdles you have to overcome to get into it sometimes so it's the new brunch yeah. <laughs> getting into it's the, the whiskey library scene. it's the, it's the yeah. club scene for the people running the club scene perhaps yeah I, I read a hilarious review about it the other day about from this guy who said in portland we wait in line for brunch in portland we wait in line for ice cream in portland we wait in line for a bar <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what we do um yeah the, it's it's almost impossible to keep up i mean i'm very excited there's a bunch of places that have just opened up davenport and trifecta and all these other great businesses that i can't wait to go to i went to davenport the other night it was really special awesome evo was incredible so yeah no so now it's evo at dinner and <sighs> and uh so and good. kevin behind you know in the kitchen just looks so comfortable back there excellent and uh you'll enjoy the experience there and then go. afterwards a quick shot over to picks yeah it's a really nice night there you go um so someone comes in from out of town and they're in Portland for one day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, experience. Where do you tell them to go? Oh my goodness. Um, are they willing to eat 15 meals in one day? <laughs> no, let's, let's say, let's say four. You might give them options because there are lines. I know I have mine and I'm sorry to spring that on you, but I, you know, I have mine top of mind because I've done it many times. All right. Well, I'm going to pick a weekday because, um, Right. A lot of people know what to do on the weekends. So uh, I think I would send somebody to um, Broder for breakfast uh, on a weekday because you can actually get in there on a weekday. I'm with you on you that. Don't, you don't yep. have to wait there. Um, and I think you would have to either before or after grab coffee from Kova Coffee. 
Um, it's one of the most Portlandia coffee places, and it happens to have some of the best coffee, I think, in Portland. Um, and, um, you know, for things to do, of course, uh, on a beautiful sunny day, um, there's nothing quite like, you know, hitting Rose Garden if it's summer or Chinese Garden or one of those, you know, beautiful green spaces that's in the core of the city of Portland. Um, or if you need to do the shopping thing, then Alberta or Hawthorne or Mississippi or one of the great, you know, very Portlandia style boutique things for shopping. Um, gosh, lunch. Good question. Uh, it's so hard it, to just let it, it's impossible it's to nearly tell impossible. someone that you, if you have one experience, this yeah, is it, but I, I really we have like so many options. I really like, um, you know, either doing, uh, Another sort of breakfasty style thing or a lunchy style thing at Pine State Biscuits or Bokey Bowl or Bunk Bunk or Bunk Bar. Um, those are kind of my go- some of my go to lunch spots that are just very very solid, not you know hit it out of the park expensive. Um, especially if it's a cold day, like ramen noodles. And yeah, it just hits yeah, home absolutely. And then dinner, I you know I can't get past. Um, Really, you know, either old standby like Le Pigeon or right now Ox or Ava Jeans, like one of those three. And it's hard because anytime I got somebody coming to town, which happens a lot, I know a lot of people from all over, I send them a list of like 50 things. And I'm just like, pick anything on this list and you'll be golden. (laughs) You can also send them to the Portland Food Adventures website, by the way, (laughs) which is what I do now. I I get a lot of inquiries and I just go, go down to the bottom of the homepage. It's right there. Yeah. You, um, well, I have this other website I send them to. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we can't talk about that. We can. Yeah. <laughs> we can. We're just for the community now. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I make a lot of use of the Eater 38 as well and yeah. right. actually send people when going out of town. That's what I use quite a bit or the, as well. Or the heat map, too. Yeah, exactly. The Eater, yeah. That, one's, yeah. that one works. Well, that's or different. Yelp. The Eater 38 and the heat map are two different, two different things. Right, right. So you just... You have to decide whether you want to be trendy or classic right. when you use those. Yeah. So, well, um, I have, this has been fantastic. Yeah. This has been fun. If all, all of these go this well and we enjoy the guests this much, um, then we got a good thing. We have a nice thing in front of us. Absolutely. I got to say, I mean, it's, it's just really nice to have you be so open and, and forthright um, about, about Yelp. And, uh, you know, we've worked together, you know, many times for lots of different restaurants. And, uh, you know, I think having that great relationship with the Yelp community is it's imperative and it's it's what I think uh, you know chefs um, need to embrace business managers need to embrace and it'll embrace you back I absolutely and and thanks for the opportunity to be here I mean I any any chance I get to talk about the Portland community and you know make local business ties stronger here it's I mean I love this town it, it it's kind of selfish because the better the community does the better I can eat the better things there are for me to do <laughs> you know I'd prefer to eat and shop and do everything local and so the more that we can the three of us from PR and Portland Food Adventures and Yelp and all the other people in this segment of the community can do to support local businesses just makes life better for all of us in the end. You know, I, I meant to ask you, are the other Yelp community managers in other cities completely jealous of you? Uh, I think a lot of them are. You know, in each city, we hire somebody who's very tuned to the local city. So everybody has a lot of pride about their own city. You know, I can boast about Portland all day and they're, they're a little jealous because Portland's the cool place to be right now. But of course, they'll give you a list of 50 things in their city that'll blow your socks off. So... Yeah. Um, what were you doing before this? I think that's one yeah. question I wanted to get in before we before we wrap up because I always think it's interesting. People either 
grow up in food or they have a career that's completely different from food and then they just make a transition. And you, you came from a background that wasn't necessarily food related at all. Right. Well, I've always been into eating food, um, <laughs> but uh, I am a recovering attorney. Um, so uh, I am, I'm, you know, once an attorney, always a recovering attorney, I guess. Uh, but I, food is my passion. Um, events were my passion. Music is my passion. I used to throw large scale parties and um, eat a lot of food. And um, it, when I moved to Portland well, 12 years ago now, I had to use the old school resources to try to find food. And uh, I was in law school one day, you know, in seven years, I had found some decent places. Uh, and I was in law school one day and a friend of mine sent me a link to the site. He said, you know, check this out. You're going to love it. And I logged on and did a search for Chinese food and found like 10 Chinese places that I had never heard of through the regular local media. And I immediately went out and started trying them. And, you know, we don't, we're not known as having great Chinese in this town, but it was better than anything I had ever found. And that's like, that was my beginning with Yelp. And I've never looked back. I, you know, I went from being an attorney to making the world a better place. <laughs> so <laughs> here that's, I am. Well, that's great. And thanks for making our studio a better place today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Well, thanks for tuning in and listening and certainly suggest to your friends that you listen to Right at the Fork. Uh, we plan on having a weekly podcast talking to a wide variety of guests and you can certainly find it wherever you found the podcast this time, but you can also follow us on Right at the Fork on Facebook, also Foodcast PDX on Twitter. Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right